Hey, it's great to uh, great to be with you tonight. That uh, that is a uh, uh, just a very interesting way to do the uh, the uh, welcome there and introduction. But I thank you. I I thought I saw him. I thought he had like three other cars. And I was like, what else is he gonna say there with that? But it is a blessing to uh, to be here tonight. My wife Laura and I have been looking forward to this for uh, several months now. Appreciate so much your pastor and his wife the opportunity that Laura and I have had to uh, get to know them. Tonight, as we were sharing in that meal and uh, the hospitality that they have and the kindness they've shown to us, uh, one of the things that I always see when I go visit other churches is I can, I can really tell the health of the church just in the humility and the servanthood of the lead pastor. And you definitely have that in your lead pastor. So I'm grateful for them and the, uh, and the invitation. So when Dave reached out to me and he said, hey, we're going to do this on my study leave, my study break of this uh, series of Hoosiers uh, and having pastors come in, I thought, I thought he said it's going to be Hoosier pastor and that series is going to come in and talk about the pastors of who, you know, who's your pastor coming in. So uh, yeah, but other than that, uh, I recognize that uh, there are um, just great opportunities that we have to be connected together and for God's kingdom and for his glory. So as we, uh, as we wrap up this series, though, um, I just want to share a little bit of uh, different experiences that I have had in my life that I, I think I'm safe to say that you probably have had some similar experiences as well. I'm thinking of three things in particular that have happened in my life over the years in ministry. The first one was when we were in a church plant down in New Orleans, so this is back in 2001. That's how we got connected to East 91st because we were daughter church number 21. Uh, and as Dave mentioned, now 75, but 21 back in 2001. So we moved down to New Orleans. Our kids were real little at that point. A few years later, 2005, it's hard to believe it's 18 years ago that Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans and the Gulf Coast, that area. Some of you may be so young, you don't even remember that that happened. Uh, but when we went through that period of time, there was so much that was going on, so much loss, so much devastation, so many challenges that we had uh, with the church as well, with trying to see things come back together, the people coming back. And, and then in the city, uh, we started a separate nonprofit ministry that we were working with to try to help other people. But there was so much happening that it really hit a wall spiritually and emotionally. I don't know what you've experienced in hitting a wall, but when you hit a wall, you know how hard it is. You feel disconnected from God. You feel like you're just going through something and God's not there. You don't have this close encounter with God anymore. And I went through that and I remember specifically the time when that happened to me in New Orleans. And uh, Laura and I, we were in the kitchen. I can still remember this, that where we're standing in the kitchen and there were churches that were calling and wanting to send work teams down. And then we had uh, we had churches that were sending supplies down, and so on, you know, tractor trailers, and we needed a warehouse. And so, how are we going to find warehouse space, and how are we going to house teams of people coming down? And uh, all of these pressures that were there. And I told Laura, I said, I just don't have anything more. I just, I, I didn't have a closeness to God. I felt like God was distant from me, and I was the pastor. 
Now, God led us through the things. We worked through that over time. But the second time that it happened was when we moved from New Orleans to Owensboro. And that's how Sean Green, who was here just a few weeks ago, and I got acquainted. He was our outreach pastor at that church in Owensboro. I was, came in as the lead pastor. Sean and I became good friends. Well, that church, we went through a lot in that time. And I hit a second wall. And it was a time where I felt distant from God. I felt like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. I felt like it was hard to, to, to connect with God. I didn't feel that closeness to God. And maybe you've been there too. Then in 2012, we made the move to Indianapolis, and I thought I'd never, I was never going to move to Indiana. Uh, my wife's from Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, so Indiana was like, she never felt God's call to go to the mission field of Indiana, so it was like, that's not going to happen. I'm from Kansas originally, and, and you know, don't hold it against me, but a Kansas Jayhawk fan, and I never, I never rooted for Indiana Hoosiers or Purdue or anyone from Indiana, but sure enough, God led us. He called us to come to Indiana, and uh, when we were there, uh, starting out, then the church there went through a lot, and the third time in my life, I hit a wall. And I didn't know how I was going to break through that. I, I felt distant from God. I felt like there was just coming up against this and spiritually, emotionally just being drained. And, and I felt distant from God. Now, God led us through those times and led me through those times. But here's what I discovered. Here's the lesson that I've been learning. Every single time I have hit a wall... Every single time I have felt distant from God that I felt like I needed a fresh encounter from God, I realized I'm the one who moved. And God was still there all along. Back in 1977, I was 10 years old. There was a movie that came out that actually became a classic some of you may uh, be old enough like I am to remember this movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Anybody remember this movie? Yeah. Uh, it was a Steven Spielberg movie. Uh, Richard Dreyfuss played the main character, Roy Neary, who oddly enough was from Indiana, from Muncie, Indiana. And the story goes that Roy Neary was this blue-collar guy in Muncie, and he had a close encounter with some aliens. And then the only way that they were able to communicate with each other was through these five tones. I, I, I talked to our sound guys just right, right before this and said, hey, I'm going to try this just to see if it will come through. Anybody, if you remember the movie, it turned into a classic hit. I'm going to try this and we'll see if it comes through, okay? Let's, let's see if we can, if it's loud enough to hear it. Everything's ready here on the dark side of the moon. Play the five tones. There you go. You remember that? Da, 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 da. Those five tones, uh, somehow, I don't remember. Laura and I were saying on the way to drive down here, we need to go back and watch the movie again to remember you know, how they communicated through those five tones. But the whole point of the movie was that this character, Roy, Roy Neary, had a close encounter, and it changed his life. Now think about that, of those three times in my life when I hit that wall and I felt distant from God, I felt like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling, I felt like I wasn't connecting with him anymore and I needed that close encounter. You see, the truth of what scripture teaches us is that our life changes 
when we have a close encounter with God. Now, there are many, many people all throughout the Bible that we could read and discuss tonight who've had close encounters with God. But I want to talk about one person. And I want you to hang with me through the story because there's several chapters early on in the book of Genesis that tell his story and how he had this close encounter with God. And not just a one-off, but it was a close encounter of relationship that he had with God. The person we're taking a look at is Noah. Noah. I love the description that we see in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, that Noah, however, found favor with the Lord. Now, I want you to remember that because we're going to come back to that here in a little bit when we get near the end of the message of what it is of finding favor with the Lord. But in order for us to really unpack the story of Noah, we need to go back a little bit and take a look at who was he. Uh, the very first time that we're introduced to Noah is in the previous chapter, in chapter 5. Right near the end of chapter 5, we read this, that Lamech was 182 years old when he fathered his son. Good for him. I mean, I mean wow, he still, he still got it. I mean, 182 years old. And he named him Noah, saying, this one will bring us relief from the agonizing labor of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. Now, Lamech somehow prophetically foretelling what's going to happen with Noah's life. It, 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 it's almost this word of blessing, affirmation that comes from the father to the son Noah. And, and what Lamech is referencing, of course, goes back to a couple of chapters earlier in Genesis in the story of creation that after the fall of Adam and Eve, our forefather and foremother, and we see that God was saying, look, I still love you. I still want to be in relationship with you, but there are consequences, and we get that. There are consequences, the times that we turn away from God. And so God specifically says in Genesis 3 that the ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor in all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. You'll eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it. For you are dust and you will return to dust. Now, that's... Definitely not a positive message that is given. But the promise that is given by Lamech about his son Noah is that he's going to be reversing. God's going to use him somehow to bring about a reversal. So we go back, we jump up to Genesis chapter 6, and we see that in this period of time in Noah's life that the world is in great decay, corruption, People have turned far from God. We see in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination, don't miss this part, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. All the time. Now, I would say probably most of us in the room, if not all of us, and those who may be uh, watching or joining online, we probably would agree that, you know, there's just a lot of evil in the world today. I mean, we just look around and we see it. We see with human trafficking. We see with 
such vitriol and divide in our nation today. We see so many problems, and we see with poverty, we see with war and violence, we see on a global scale of that. We see injustices, we see racial injustice, we see all of these things, all these pictures with this. But we, when I look at this verse, I think, okay, it's bad. But it's not this bad. That only evil all the time. So in contrast to what's going on around him, though, we come back to Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. That Noah, however, found favor with the Lord. He found favor. Now, does that mean that uh, uh, Noah somehow, he had enough credits in his righteousness scale and uh, didn't have as many debits as far as his sin and so forth, so therefore uh, God liked him uh, more than anybody else, and so that's how it is to have favor? Is it it that, you know, you you just do the right, you go to church enough times, and again, as was said, you're the really good Christians because you're here on Thursday, right before Labor Day weekend. You know, is that what makes you righteous? Is that what gives, makes you favor, have favor with God? Is that really what's described here? Hold on to that because we're going to come back to that a little bit later. We see that Noah is described as someone who has favor going on to the very next verse. He was righteous. He was blameless. But I think here's the key. Noah walked with God. You see, favor is not just God as a king bestowing something, holding out a scepter and saying, you have favor, so therefore I'm not going to eliminate you. It's a relationship. Noah walked with God. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I I love that. Noah walked with God. It makes me think of that old hymn. Try to remember even all the words to it, but I come to the garden alone um, while the dew's still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear. The Son of God discloses, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I'm his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Now, I've always questioned the last part of that. As though, okay, you know, the encounters that I have with God, no one else has ever experienced that. You know, sorry, but uh, this is really just God and me, and you're not included in that. You're not a part of the club. So, and there we go. You're not a part of the, part of the club. It's not what we see there in the passage, is it, though? There is a closeness. So I can picture Noah and God walking together. I mean, just having relationship. In one of those walks... One of those spiritual treks where Noah and God are just shared just a close relationship. God says this to Noah. Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. He says, I've decided. So I mean, picture Noah, God, you know, Noah, just a relationship with God. They're, they're in unit, they're in relationship. And God says, I've decided to put an end to every creature. For the earth is filled with wickedness because of them. Therefore, I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. <laughs> Uh, excuse me, excuse me, God, uh, <coughs> I was coughing. I didn't quite hear what you were saying there. Um, you, did, you, did I hear you say correctly? No, we're in this really beautiful moment right now. I mean, this, I mean today, blue skies, a beautiful day. Can you be, you know, you're having a spiritual high with God. It's just an incredible moment. And God says, oh, by the way, I'm going to eliminate, you know, the whole world. Uh, you know, now, God, did I really understand this? 
Now, when I think about this and reflect upon it, I think this isn't the kind of closeness to God that I want. When I think about a close encounter with God, I'm not thinking about God saying, oh, and by the way, because of the wickedness of humanity, I'm going to wipe out the earth. That's not the picture that I have. This close encounter with God, what Noah had with God, it brings a message that no one wants to hear. It's the message of judgment. Judgment's coming. We don't want to hear that kind of message. But here's the key. Sometimes close encounters with God can be like that. From my perspective as a pastor, I think too often, and I'm, I'm pointing at myself, I think too often we convey a Christian message that is something more like this in our culture, where we say to people, well, you know, a close encounter is God's like, it's like curling up on the sofa with a good book and a cup of hot chocolate. You know, that's what God really wants. He just wants to be your friend. He just wants to be your buddy. You know, he just wants to sit with you and he wants to walk with you in the garden alone and you can sing and it just feels good with that. He's here to make all of our problems go away so that we can be happy, happy, happy. But the problem with this, of course, beside the fact that it's not true, is that when we sell people this bill of goods and we say to them, oh, come and follow Jesus and you can walk with him. Noah did. You can have a close encounter with him. And you know what? It's going to feel really, really good. And he can make all your problems go away. And you can be happy, happy, happy. Someone says, okay, well, who's not going to sign up for that, right? Someone says, all right. And they get baptized. And then their son gets sick. And then they lose their job. And wait a minute now. I thought we had a deal, God. We're going to walk together, you know, like through the neighborhood daily in the mornings when the sun's shining and it's 70 degrees outside. There, 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 there's not supposed to be this. I'm walking with you and then there's judgment. There's still problems. There's still pain. There's still struggle and challenge and difficulty. But in fact, there is that. And what happens, I've seen it happen, maybe you have as well, is then people say, look, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. Hey, I tried this Christian thing. It didn't work. So, you know, I, I just... It, i just going to try something else. But you know what? That version of God is not true. It is not what Scripture teaches us. With Scripture, what we see with Scripture is that God, he doesn't fit in our nice, neat little box of elixir Christianity. That's not the God of the Bible. It's not the triune God of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, this doesn't mean that God is some horrid, harsh, mean being who's always there just to bring about his judgment on us like what we see spelled out in Genesis chapter 6. We can't take a look at this and say, oh, this is just all that we see in the Bible about who God is. 
But let's not forget in Genesis chapter 6, when God said that to Noah in one of their little daily walks, that God's actions are a result, a result of human violence and corruption and wickedness. Now, we can argue with God all we want. We can say, I don't like that part of the Bible. You know what? God's big enough. He can take it. He can take your questions. He can take your doubts. It's okay to verbalize that to God and say, God, I don't like this part in Genesis chapter 6 where you talk about you're going to wipe out the earth. We can argue with God over his methodology, but let's never forget that God is never passive. He's not a passive parent who turns a blind eye to his errant children. There are are consequences. What this does reveal to us is that our close encounters with God aren't always filled with warm fuzzies. Sometimes those close encounters are confrontations with our world and even our lives. They can often be a call to action. They, they were for Noah. It was a call to action to, for Noah to do something. We see it right in the next part of, of Genesis chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, where God said, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark. Cover it with pitch in and, and outside. This is how you're to make it. The ark will be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. In other words, get busy. Get going. There's work to be done. God calls Noah to action. This close encounter with God was not just this passive sitting on a couch with with a cup of hot chocolate. It was God walking with Noah, having favor on him, and saying, yes, I'm in relationship with you, and I'm calling you to step up and step out. Just a few chapters later in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 9 Eight different times the word covenant is used. God calling into covenant. Back uh, right here in chapter 6 and verse 18, we read this. that God says, I'll establish a covenant with you. You will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. Covenant. What is it? What is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement between two parties forged through relationship. This is is an opportunity, stepping into relationship. Now notice this, that Noah's close encounter leads to a forged relationship, and the forged relationship is what brings about the change leading into this covenant relationship with God. The flood comes, Genesis 7 and 8, the water recedes, and then God says this, Genesis chapter 8 and verse 21, I'll never again curse the ground because of human beings. Even though the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth onward, I will never again strike down every living thing as I have done. Do you remember Lamech's prophecy when Noah was born? Noah would bring about a reverse of the curse that was given as a result of the fall of Adam and Eve. But it didn't mean there would be no judgment. It meant that there's something on the other side of that. And what's on the other side of that is covenant relationship with God. Remember I said eight different times in Genesis chapter 9 where that word covenant is used. 
I mean, let's just look at the list. It's my covenant with you, your descendants after you in verse 9. Looking at the next one, we've got, I established my covenant with you in verse 11. And then in the very next verse, it's the covenant I'm making between me and you. A covenant for all future generations. And then going on in the very next verse, uh, it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And then continuing on, we see... The covenant between me and you and all living creatures. I mean, all through this Genesis chapter 9, we see it. The permanent covenant between God and all the living creatures on the earth. I mean, I, covenant that I've established between me and every creature, verse 17, over and over again. Eight different times it's repeated. It sure seems like God is pretty serious about covenants. And that's because... God is pretty serious about relationships. Of wanting to be in relationship with all who will come to him. And so here we bring it full circle. Once again, we come right back to what Lamech said when Noah was born. He named Noah saying, this one will bring us relief from the agonizing labor of our hands caused by the ground. The Lord is cursed. And sure enough, it was through Noah that relief came. It, there was the judgment that came, but then that led to renewal. It led to rebirth where the old was gone, the new has come. New life only comes when the old is gone. It's painful, it's hard, and at times we don't understand. But what we see is that there's close encounters with God are like that. They aren't always what we think but they lead to something greater. Noah's close encounter with God, it led to judgment, pain and death, but then it's not the end of the story. Back in New Orleans when I hit that wall, it wasn't the end of the story. When I felt distant from God and I felt like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling, it wasn't the end of the story. When we were in Owensboro and the church went through so much turmoil and I felt like I, I just hit another wall, that wasn't the end of the story. When we were moved to Indianapolis and we came through those, those times, a great challenge within the church where we serve, and I felt like I hit another brick wall, that wasn't the end of the story. In life, we hit brick walls. In life, we come upon these challenges that we feel distant from God. But that's not the end of the story. God leads us through that. He wants to covenant with us. Now, I want us to think about this. If you want a close encounter with God, what do you want out of that? Do you simply want a God that's just going to make you happy, happy, happy? Well, you know, there are drugs that do that. But does it really give you a better life? Or do you want transformation where you are becoming the person who God's created you to be? Well, that requires new birth. That requires recreation, recreation. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The apostle Paul says, if anyone's in Christ, he is a recreation, a new creation. The old has passed away. You see, the new has come. You see, in Christ's death, the old is gone. The old you, the old ways. This is the promise we have from Jesus. It's 
It's absolutely mind-blowing to think that whatever we have done in the past, whatever you are ashamed of in your life, whatever has been the brokenness in marriage in your heart, the sin, the struggle, that through Jesus, just like with coming out of the flood, there's new life, there is new birth, and so it is through Jesus Christ. Remember the storyline of Close Encounters? That Roy Neary from Muncie, Indiana, blue-collar guy, minding his own business, but he has a close encounter, and it changes his life. And that's what happens with close encounters. It changes our lives. And it's true that our life changes when we have a close encounter with God. Listen, I don't, I don't know where you may be spiritually right now. You know, I'm coming in, and first time here, you all have welcomed us so well. We are so glad to be here. I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know if you're at that place where I've been before, where you've hit a spiritual wall, and you feel like God's distant from you, or you are distant from him. I assure you tonight, God hasn't moved, and God loves you, and he wants a close encounter with you. That's why he sent his son Jesus to come to us so that we don't have to try to find our way to him. Do you remember how Noah found favor with God? It wasn't just because he was a good guy. He was that. He was, he was righteous. He was blameless. But he found favor because he walked with God. I don't know about you, but I think it's, it's not really possible for me to walk with God. I mean, that's he's too, you know, he's God. But when we see Jesus who came into this world and who became one of us to take on our sin so that we can be set free from that sin and we can experience that new life, that rebirth in him so that we can be in covenant with him in relationship and that we can have that ongoing close encounter with him. I pray that for each and every one here in this room tonight. May we experience that and have that freedom that's found through Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we are amazed at how those times in our lives when we, when we hit the wall and we just feel like we are not close to you, at how you desire to walk with us, to have that closeness with us, to be in a covenant relationship with us. And Lord, we pray right now, every person in this room, that if there are those here with us tonight that are feeling that distant from you, that they come in tonight maybe just to check it off a list or just to do the church thing or to make their girlfriend happy or to, or just to, maybe because they're just hurting. Father, in Jesus' name right now, I pray that through your Holy Spirit that you will come, that you will help them see that you love them, that a close encounter with you will bring change and transformation.
even in the hardships of life. We give you thanks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.